The Lord be with you. And also with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, And whoever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Jesus Christ. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. In 1993, a wonderful movie called Jurassic Park was released. A tale about a capitalist who joined forces with countless scientists to bring back to life dinosaurs, real-life dinosaurs. And it it was a movie that surprised and, and terrified and brought up some deeper questions. And there's a scene where those who were invited to the island to tour the attraction are enjoying a steak dinner before they themselves take the tour. And during that dinner, one Ian Malcolm, the mathematician, rants about this great new power that John Hammond and all of his scientists have wielded with great carelessness. And he concludes, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they never stopped to think if they should. And this quote then sets up the action for the rest of the movie. The group takes a a tour of the park and a storm is brewing. The animals aren't coming out. And so in order to get the T-Rex to come out so they can at least see something, they entice it by offering up this goat. It raises out of the ground on this metal platform and it's chained to a post almost as if being presented on an altar. It reminds me a bit of the uh, goat or the lamb that the high priest would sacrifice and and offer up on the great Jewish holy day of Yom Kippur, a day of atonement, the holiest day of the Jewish year, in fact. And part of the practice of Yom Kippur is that the priest would lay his hands upon a goat and name upon it, confess all the sins of the people and all the sins of the nation onto that goat. And then they would send it out into the wilderness so that goat would quite literally take the sins of the people and the nation out into the wilderness and die. This entire feast revolved around the confession of sin and atonement of God's people through the sacrifice of animals. Blood must be spilt to pay for sin. This is where we get our phrase scapegoat. I'm sure you've heard that word before. You know, what does it mean? It means where we put the blame or the fault of something on somebody else, that they would take the punishment. We do this all the time and have it happen even to us. Even our phrase, take the fall. It was a scapegoat that was driven out into the wilderness in order to ensure it didn't return. Could you imagine the symbolism of that? You send this animal filled with the sins of people out into the wilderness and it comes back home. right? To make sure it didn't return, they would drive it to the cliff's edge and push it over. 
so that it would fall and die. It quite literally took the fall for the people of Israel. In Jurassic Park, it's like that goat was being offered for the sins of the people. For the sins of those who just wanted to be entertained. For the sins of John Hammond, who had this unquenchable thirst for money. For the sins of the scientists who were so obsessed with, could they do something? They never thought if they should. And that endless desire for for progress. The sins of those thinking they could control nature. This moment almost appears to be a moment where they're asking and pleading, forgive us. So the T-Rex eventually does come out. And he enjoys his, his offering of lamb chops. But it's not enough. He finds out, the po- this is a spoiler alert, but it's been out for almost 30 years. So <laughs> he, find out, he finds out the power is off. And so he has himself a bit of lawyer on the side. But isn't that what it's like with the evil one? He's never satisfied. He accuses again and again. He constantly reminds us of our sins. We give him these little offerings to try to appease him, and then he always comes back for more. He's the one who comes to devour us. Think back to the dinner in Jurassic Park. How often are our own moral decisions, quite frankly, in line with what Ian Malcolm said? We were so preoccupied with whether or not we could do something, we never asked if we should. I mean, how many times have we ourselves been caught in sin because we knew we had the freedom to do something wrong? And we failed to recognize how enslaved we were to it. We neglected to do the good. And in the process of sinning, how often have we made others our scapegoats? Allowing them to take the fall for our sins, for for our mistakes, for our shortcomings. Allowing them or even forcing them to pay the price for our sins. To offer them up to be devoured by the evil one. Too scared to admit what we've done. Those deep and dark places we, we hide and lie about to others and even to ourselves. And the whole time thinking inside, oh, we got away with it, even when we know we didn't. So often we, we regulate Jesus to the guy who forgives the small stuff, but are too scared to place upon him the big stuff, the big sins, those prisons of sin we feel stuck in, those habits that we we can't break, those patterns we get stuck in. I mean, how often do we think to ourselves? We, We look around and we think, how did I ever get in this mess? How did I ever get in this place? You know, I feel like John Hammond. This little world I've built all around myself, crumbling around, death everywhere. Because of my pride, my hubris, and my ego, afraid to go to the Father. And and the whole time thinking, if I just try a little harder by my own power, by my own strength, I can fix it. But it's never enough. It destroys us. Just like the high priest offered sacrifice year after year on Yom Kippur. But it was never enough. It was never the fulfillment. There was never complete satisfaction, not until Christ came. 
In the gospel reading today, John makes this bold proclamation that changes the way we understand Yom Kippur and it changes the way we understand the relationship between God and man. After the baptism of Jesus, which we celebrated last week, John then again sees Jesus and cries out, as Jesus comes into his midst, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. A phrase we speak each week as we enter into the Eucharist so it runs the risk of becoming familiar and the power of its meaning to be lost, to be forgotten. In the Gospel last week, and Jesus says that the baptism must happen in order to fulfill all righteousness. This means, as Pastor Moki said, that Jesus makes right the relationship between God and man. That divide is, is sin. And it's Jesus who conquers Sin, who bridges that divide. And it's through our baptism, through the waters of baptism. And as John said, we, we are baptized with the Holy Spirit because of Christ. It's through the waters of baptism that we are restored in a relationship and adopted into the family of God. But Jesus' ministry didn't end at his baptism. In fact, that's the beginning of his ministry. It's in the gospel today that John then points to the end. He references the Spirit descended upon Jesus in his baptism, how he received this revelation beforehand. that said, he who the Spirit descends upon it, he is the Son of God. And so John confesses that that is who Jesus is. Behold, the Son of God. But it's in that first phrase, behold the Lamb of God, that draws us to the cross upon which the sins of the people are placed on the Christ. As they mock him and they whip him and they, they spit on him. All confessions of sin place upon the Christ, even as we do today. And they take the Christ, they take Jesus out of the city. And they take him up, up on the hillside and perhaps even to the cliff's edge. And they crucify him. The Lamb of God must die. To atone for the sins of the people. His blood must be shed. The evil one who comes to devour will be satisfied with nothing less. Yet this sacrifice is different than all those who have been done each year, generation after generation. Because the sacrifice of Christ isn't good for only 365 days. His is the one and eternal sacrifice which we hear about in Hebrews this morning, by which all of our sins are eternally paid for. As, as John records in his gospel, these beloved words that so many know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. See, Jesus is our scapegoat. He's the one who takes our fall. Like Adam and Eve in the garden, our natural inclination with sin is to always point the finger at someone else, to, to pass the blame onto somebody else. And Jesus says, stop putting it on everybody else. Place it on me. Let me bear your sin. Christ came to pay that price in full. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Don't blame, confess them to the Christ. Or forgiveness has already been bought. The evil one continues to come to accuse and devour us. But it's the 
Christ who doesn't come to devour us, but instead now gives us His very body to eat. His very blood to drink, which heals us of all of our impurities. He doesn't devour us, He feeds us. His is the sacrifice once and for all which completes our salvation, for which no other sacrifices now need to be made. And so we gather in this place each week to confess our sins and to receive His gift. God has provided all we need. God has provided it all. I'm reminded of Isaac on the mountain of his, with his father Abraham. You know, Isaac looks at his father. We have the wood, we have, we have the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Not knowing that he's to be the sacrifice. And, and Abraham says, trust me, son, God's going to provide. And provide he does, he, he offers this ram in a thicket. Well, he once asked for Abraham's son. God never asked more than he himself was willing to give. And so he gave us his son to forgive the sins of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, to forgive the sins of David and Solomon, to forgive the sins of even Peter and Paul, to forgive your sins and mine, all of them, all of them. We offer them all. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world so that we can speak as John did into a world of darkness not just for our sake, but for the sake of the world, that we can say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away your sins to a people who don't yet know. This Sunday is also Life Sunday. This week is the remembrance of Roe vs. Wade. As, as Jurassic Park was, was built with an eye to what could be done versus what should be done, so our country has committed many grave sins for the sake of progress and comfort and fear. It was Yom Kippur that led to the confession of individual sins, but also they confessed the sins of their nation. And so today, let us offer the sins of our nation before the cross of Christ. Ask His healing. Ask His forgiveness. So that others may behold the Lamb of God as even we do today. May the Lord have mercy on us all. Amen.